You're listening to the Missouri Realtors Podcast with host and Missouri Realtors CEO, John Seabree. Join us as we deliver an in-depth analysis of industry news while speaking with industry experts on their successes and failures. Along the way, we'll also share strategies and practices to help you become a more successful realtor. Welcome back to the Missouri Realtors Podcast. I'm Missouri Realtors CEO and your host, John Seabree. With me today is Sam Licklider, our lobbyist in Jefferson City. Welcome, Sam. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and it's it's good to be with you. And first of all, congratulations on making it through another legislative session. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. It was kind of interesting. It had some. Every session is different. Every That's session true. has a, 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 a theme and every session has a, a different uh, feel of movement. This was, uh, this was somewhat discordant. There were some issues that leadership wanted um, in the House and others in the Senate. As it happened, it all ended up pretty good for us. That's true. I was I was excited to see the final scorecard and um, and figure out where we did have victories. And before we jump into those, I think it's important that our members know how much we appreciate them being there during session. And this this thing that we've come up with in the past couple of years of realtor days, where a couple of local boards make it to Jefferson City during almost every week of session versus the one big capital conference when we all go in for one shot. And I did want to point out to our listeners that if you go to MissouriRealtors.org, our website, and click on the advocacy icon, it'll take you to a page, scroll down to Realtor Days and Legislative Visit Resources. And on that page, you will see our talking points for this session. And I'm Sam, I'm really proud of our talking points this session. The the doc, you know, the the shell that they were in, which tells the story of the impact real estate has on our economy, which is a, a good thing to always be reminding our elected officials. But it also lists our talking points. And there are there were several related to license law this year, of course, low-income housing tax credit and historic tax credit, and big reveal, our first ever talking point on the Missouri Non-Discrimination Act, which I know you'll talk about again in a few minutes. That's an interesting story, given its history in the legislature. Talking about the shell and the talking points. The shell, I had several members of the House and a couple of senators come up to me and said, hey, your realtors gave me this. This is really neat. I didn't, I did not realize what all was involved in the in the real estate economy. Um, I think some of them used it as the basis for some remarks back home. If you look at the uh, the three pieces that were in the shell, license law issues, both of those were passed. Now they weren't passed in the original bill that they were filed in, but very few things are anymore. Um, you had uh, LITEC and historic tax credits. We were able to stop a couple of fairly serious attempts to uh, significantly disable LITEC um, 
there was one bill, 1095, that would have sunset LIHTC in six years. And once something like that is sunset, you cannot get it back. And then Mona. Uh, <clears throat> Mona's been around for 23 years. I suspect that we will continue to have problems in getting it done. That does not mean that we should throw up our hands and say, well, it can't happen because we just sit there and consistently push gently. We don't have to have every vote. We will not get every vote. All we need are 82 in the House and 18 in the Senate. And that's what our goal is. Uh, we've had several members of the General Assembly congratulate us on taking that stand, and it's a courageous stand. And we've had a few that have um, been very upset that we did that, and I'm sorry about that. But it is the kind of thing that you do when you feel that you are in the right. Right. Um, Good. So those are our three talking point issues, license law, the tax credits, both low-income housing tax credit and historic, and the Missouri Non-Discrimination Act. Just stepping back to the license law issues very quickly, those were new policies, right, that our, we had a presidential advisory group on license law that came up with these changes early in the year. So the fact that these changed this year is a pretty big deal to me. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was to me too, and I'm I'm gonna have to give Jason Zampkus, who probably should have been on this call, um, a lot of credit on that because he spent a lot of time looking for other homes for those issues, uh, because it was fairly clear early on that, I mean, that's a big issue to us in the great scheme of things in terms of the core issues for the General Assembly, it's not. But if you can find other places to put it, for example, we put, we put both pieces on uh, House Bill 476, which was a bill sponsored by uh, Representative Derek Greyer, who is a realtor, dealing with um, making some changes in the statutes to allow an MOS, military occupation specialty, to qualify in terms of some of the educational things you need to have for some of the licenses. Um, and then a, we put it on uh, House Bill 273, which uh, a, another realtor, Tom Hannigan, uh, dealt with um, not requiring people who simply shampoo hair in a salon to be licensed. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a good idea if you think about it. If somebody decides, well, I want to go into, I want to go into the uh, beauty salon business, probably ought to let them get a chance to look at what it is before they go out and spend a lot of money on a fairly long educational process. I'm not saying the educational process isn't necessary, it is. But what I'm saying is people there have an opportunity to feel, to find out if that's a good fit for them. Our so stuff went on there. The important thing for our members to understand is that, you know, that first issue of allowing a real estate licensee to own an unlicensed LLC 
so they can receive commissions through it. And the second issue of the advertising guidance um, policy that our board of directors passed in January, you're basically saying you and Jason looked for as many places as you could to attach those two items. So it, it may end up being a bill related to shampooing, but that dealt with licensees. And so you yeah. were able to attach that. And similarly with the other one. And back when I was a lobbyist, we would call those bills Christmas trees because they, or, um, or the train because they ended up with so many things attached to them. Um, I think you refer them more as omnibus bills. Um, well, that's the, that's the polite way of putting it. I'm not going to discuss some of the other things, but yeah. I, and, um, that's just sort of uh, a, a term of art that's, uh, that's been adopted. Um, at, at times, I refer to them as ominous bills because there are things in there that maybe you don't want. So you have to try to figure out a way to either extract that or, uh, or, or kill the bill. Um, that's, that's, why, that's why busy people like realtors and I need lobbyists like you reading all these bills and understanding all the issues. So, so we've hit our big talking point issues, but as per usual, there are lots of things that impact real estate. So you have to be on the lookout and weigh in on so many issues beyond that. And I was really excited to see a couple of these that are gonna be so good for our members. They've made it through the legislature and now we just need the governor's signature, but. One of those is COVID liability. Talk to us about that. That was nothing short of a miracle. <clears throat> and, and I say that with, with all knowledge, the knowledge I have based on, I thought it was dead. When the Senate left at uh, 215, 220 on, uh, on Friday, COVID was sitting in the house. It had not been on the calendar for 24 hours, and that's a requirement <clears throat> before you can take it up, although you can, you can waive that requirement. And Dean Plocker took, I think, a very courageous stand and said, we're going to get this done. And you had to pass the bill as it came over from the Senate, because there was no opportunity to send changes back to the Senate and have the Senate agree or disagree and go to conference. Uh, and he took it up and we got the votes. Uh, you know, Plocker has, has got to be recognized for uh, doing something that a lot of people would not have done because it, it could have failed fairly easily. And in a few words, what does that COVID liability bill do for our members? Well, the, the important thing is the original COVID, COVID liability bill required posting of a sign. And that works if you're Walmart, if you're a standalone store. Doesn't work for real estate because our members go out and see people and the people they serve may not get to the real estate office per se for some time. So this allows in addition to the sign, sign or notice. So you can give them a written notice with the statutory language in there. And you have to, there is a fairly high standard 
um, which I'm not going to get into the fine points of that. That is uh, more fitting for Steve Graham or some of the lawyers. But it's a fairly high standard. In other words, um, as I told one person, you practically have to put somebody on the ground and pour COVID virus into their mouth before you can uh, you can be uh, you know you can be found to be liable. It's not quite that bad, but uh, and it makes sense. How in the world do you prove that someone got a virus? in a specific place, especially since it's been shown that it, it can be airborne. Right. So, but you will have, you will have litigation involved in this. I will guarantee you. So something else <laughs> I am super excited about because I've been following this issue and lobbying on it myself for 20 plus years, Missouri realtors earlier this year through our advocacy committee and then board of directors passed a new motion that supports the passage of legislation to level the sales tax playing field for all retailers. And yeah. I tell you, my, my interest in this is for our commercial members. I have felt all along that bricks and mortar needed this for fairness. And so in Missouri, we call it the Wayfarer bill, right? Uh, Wayfair is sort of a general term of art that's been adopted because the the style of the case that uh, that brought this about was Wayfair versus either North Dakota or South Dakota. I can't remember. The first one was one, and the second one was the other. It it well, it's kind of strange. They all arose in the Dakotas, and since very little else happens there, I suppose it's appropriate. The the new statute says that if you have a hundred thousand dollars worth of business in the state, you've got to start collecting sales tax. And that's that's a decent trigger point because that avoids having people that sell a few things out on uh, Etsy or uh, or eBay from having to remit sales tax. But it it gets most other retail establishments. They did a lot of things in terms of making more information available about what the sales tax rates were. We've got a host of different sales taxes in the state of Missouri, ranging from basically the state sales tax, and you've got a lot of, uh, lot of OCIDs and that sort of thing that add to it. But uh, I think this is going to work out uh everybody talks about amazon but amazon has a nexus in the state of missouri st charles so um and and they've been collecting sales tax for some time for those things that amazon sells now if someone is selling through amazon that's a different issue uh andrew koenig who has uh who has been on this issue for a very long time uh pulled off a big win on it um, and well, another big win is highway funding, and it's the one issue we did a call to action on this year. And I, I wondered if some of our members might be confused because there's so much talk of transportation and infrastructure funding at the federal level, but we had our own issue here at the state level that we were very supportive of. Talk to us about gas tax and yet another realtor in the legislature yeah. who helped us cross the finish line here. 
Yeah, there and and you talk about confusion. There was some confusion between the uh, between President Biden's infrastructure plan, which is significantly broader than the state plan and and covers all sorts of things. Uh, the state plan was really fairly simple. We're going to increase the gas tax by 2.5 cents a year up until 2025, and then we stop. It adds 12 and a half cents to the total gas tax. Uh, which still will make Missouri in the certainly in the lower quarter of all gas taxes. And that's kind of weird because we've got the seventh largest road net that is covered by uh, highways and transportation. The interesting thing about this is that if you're upset about paying it, you think it's wrong to pay it, or you just don't want to pay it, all you have to do is every time you gas up, Keep your receipt or take a picture of your receipt. And at the end of the year, you'll file a form with the Department of Revenue and they'll send you your money back. So people have no reason to complain about it. If they pay it, they don't have to pay it. Curiously enough, now, if you drive something over 26,000 pounds, uh, you got to pay it. But um, I think even some of our friends with the giant pickups aren't in that uh, aren't in that group yet. But those people that do, in other words, the Missouri Trucking Association, they came out strongly in support of this because they know how critical highways are to economic development in Missouri, and those folks pay not at the pump per se but they pay based on how many miles they drive in a given state. Because a heavy trucker may start out in Indianapolis and go to Sacramento, California. So they go through a number of states uh, where they fill up doesn't make any difference, but they were some of the strongest advocates for this. Becky Ruth, realtor from uh, Jefferson County, did an absolutely spectacular job because there were some members in the house that didn't like it. They did not want to raise taxes. I, I'm not sure where the idea that you can run a government on no money came from, but it is prevalent in some members of the General Assembly. I'm not a big fan of taxes, but on the other hand, you got to do it. And Becky stood her ground and battled off some really bad amendments um and one and the, the the talk around the talk around the rotunda was that's going down huh. but it it didn't well well we uh we love being able to talk about all these issues and there are even more but i'm going to suggest that people click on your end of session report and maybe find out a few more things that happen such as copper theft and there was a landlord tenant issue and who knows yeah. maybe you'll even write about pace and some of the work you did on pace this you know what i left that out yeah thank you for reminding me of that it was one of these things where what did i leave out and yeah well that'll be a good one uh that'll be a teaser for people <laughs> to read your full end of session report. So Sam, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you to Missouri Realtors for listening. And we will 
look forward to having you join us next time. Thank you. Thank you, John.